Back on another one, Dr. Zero Trust Show. I've got a good guy here who knows what he's doing. He's been around. He's done the work. Den Jones, he's got a sexy Scottish accent. He sounds like he's uh, Sean Connery's long-lost nephew or something. Den, if you wouldn't mind giving a little bit of background who you are, what you do. Hey, Chase. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Awesome to be here, folks. So, yeah, Dan Jones, um, I can speak like Sean Connery if we really have to, but I'm not sure we want to go down there because I can't do it for so long unless you pile me full of drink, um, which actually I'm fair game for that too. So uh, I, I work at Banyan. I'm the chief security officer, joined in December. And prior to that, I ran enterprise security at both Cisco and Adobe, where our glorious teams over there, we deployed Zero Trust. Um, to over 150,000 people combined and a quarter of a million devices, I think. Um, so got some experience in the space of Zero Trust, but I've been an identity guy, a, an IT guy since the mid-90s, all the way back to my days with Novell and Token Ring IBM Networks. So, um, yeah, got a got a little scars and experience under the belt for sure. Oh, okay. Well, being one of the folks that's actually done this stuff at scale, um, like, what's your opinion when people are bitching about, like, I can't do ZT, it's too big, it's too hard? I mean, how how would you, you know, if you're in a room full of people that were saying they can't, how would you deal with that? I, I, think, I think there's a couple of things. One is there's so many vendors talking about ZT in their own marvelous way. And I think at the end of it, people get confused on what ZT is. Um, so, so it's really hard for people to turn around and say, well, I'm going to do some zero trust, which is what the board or the, the executives read in the fancy magazines and shit and, and, and actually make it real. So I, I kind of look at it and say, well, the first problem is, is rather than use the term zero trust, how about the, the outcomes, what's the value proposition and what problems are you trying to solve and then break it down to smaller achievable results. And. In, in both cases, in our previous companies, you know, we started off with employees accessing applications and services, because when you're trying to get funding, it's really good if you can turn around and put it in a way that says there will be an, an improvement to the experience of your employees, they'll get to things quicker and they'll be more secure. So I kind of say, break it down into a way that I think is digestible at the executive level where you're going to get money. Yeah, because, I mean, money is what makes the world go around, right? It's the universal grease. <laughs> yeah, and, well, you know, everyone's budget is getting squeezed and squeezed and squeezed more. So it's like, what can you do with the money you have that's going to have the biggest impact from a security perspective? But if you can say that in a way that's going to have a bigger impact on the, the user experience, the employees, that's awesome, man. I mean, that's that's every every time that for me was a winner. Yeah, but I mean, going further into that, when you're when you're pushing this in front of people that aren't security people, right? I mean, they're they're gonna fight you tooth and nail on it because I see it all the times at workshops on. Well, didn't we just do this? And don't you already have this? And isn't this a another thing? And I mean, what's the <laughs> what's the way around that problem? Or is there one? I yeah, I I mean, I was I was lucky. Our team in Adobe and Cisco, we were responsible for the authentication experience of the employees, right? That that login crap, and nobody likes to bloody log in. So at the end of it, you're like, I don't like to log in. Okay, well, would you like us to improve that? They're like, sure. Okay, well, well, let's invest there. 
And as part of the investing there, you're going down the path of, of really some zero trust. I mean, we're like, if I, I, I kind of look at like zero trust, like it's really an evolution. Well, the way I'm defining this piece of it, because you can define it in many pieces, right? You can say there's the, the authentication piece. You can say there's device posturing. You can say there's security intelligence. You can say there's networking. And if you really want to invest all the way end to end, then you're picking off pieces and problems you're solving in all of those areas. So, but but to start, you got to start somewhere that's really visible to the execs. And so you'll turn around to the execs and you're like, okay, yeah, but there's two things you know you you know pisses you off, and don't tell me otherwise. You bloody hate logging in, and you hate that VPN. You hate having to VPN into applications that are hosted internally because you know that there's applications that are hosted externally, cloud apps that you don't VPN in for. And you know you like that experience and you don't like this experience. So the minute you start the conversation, you're just like, hey, why don't we start with the things that piss you off the most? And if they piss you off, fancy executive person with a suit, you know they piss off your 50,000 employees Right. So so let's start there. The the harder challenge is if you get down to the back end network and you're like, yeah, we're going to do some different segmentation. No one gives a shit. No one cares. They don't they don't know. Like the executives don't really know network segmentation. That's stuff you're many do in the background anyway. So. So, yeah. So it's it's you know, you got to really get like what 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 motivates them to want to approve your project and want to give you money? That's it. Well, and I, I call the back end stuff, the nitty gritty thing. I call it the Doug problem. The reason I call it the Doug problem is when I was working at a particular company, there was a guy who had set up the whole network, right? He had built this thing since God knows when Electron started moving. He was old as dirt. So he was there <laughs> you know, where all the bodies were buried and Every single time that it got back to, you know, things having to be changed configuration wise, Doug was the first one jumping up on down on the fucking table, griping and screaming about, no, this is going to screw that. Like when you're dealing with an infrastructure as big as Cisco or, you know, Adobe or those folks, I mean, how do you deal with a Doug? And it yeah. could, it's, this is not to say it has to be a Doug. It could be a Kathy or yeah. a Shirley or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's going to be somebody that's going to sit back there that knows where the bodies are buried and built that thing. And they're going to, they're going to protect that ugly baby, even though it's really ugly. Yeah. The, 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 the fortunate thing for me when I worked in Adobe was I joined December 99 as a contractor and I was, I was working at all layers of the stack. So I, as I evolved through my career, I ran the security team. I took five individual teams to make it one team. I had load balancers under my purview. I had DNS, all the directory services. So at one point, I was the leader of many Dougs and Shirley's and everybody else. And and I knew where the bed, I knew where everything was buried because I had a been the, the engineer, I'd been the architect, I had then been the leader, and 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 a lot of the same people were still working there. So. It was it was good for me because I knew how to call bullshit on people's rebuttals when you were doing that project. When people were like, "Oh, this isn't going to be more secure," and I'm like, "Wait a minute! You saying it's not going to be more secure than someone who VPNs in and full time employees have full access to the corporate network when they VPN in?" 
I'm like, okay, so you might want them to step up and VPN into a secure network to do ad, admin work or go via a bastion host. But you, to begin with, our office network has 40,000, 50,000 devices on it. So if you VPN in and you've got full access to the network, what the hell, man? You're like, shit, you're, you're ass crazy if you think that me just saying you'll you'll just have one reverse proxy connection via our, our zero trust platform for that one app. You're crazy if you think that's not an improved security situation. Because uh, if my machine's compromised, I, I can't compromise lateral movement to all the other machines because I'm not on the network. You know, so that kind of shit for me, I I, I even had I had one of I had several people in my own organization as we were deploying this in Adobe that that literally were trying to, and they had told people this, that they were trying to sabotage the project because they they didn't believe that this was the right thing for the company. And I think the one thing, when you're trying to do something transformative for an organization, there's always people in the company that don't believe it and and they they will find ways to get in your way and and what what was what was cool for me was my boss even acknowledged that there were people in my own organization you know after we had deployed zero trust and stuff 40,000 people happily using it not doing the network stuff no passwords we're doing posture check and and my boss is like wow maze you pulled it off considering there were people in your own organization trying to screw you behind the scenes and I'm like, yeah, I, I, I guess I've done so many projects over the years where people thought it was bullshit. So <laughs> it's like I've, I've learned that and I've became really thick skinned because of it. Right. Or thick. Either way. I'm good. either oh, way. I mean, yeah, I think it takes a level of thickness, actually, to kind of just do a lot of this work. I uh, the way I got around Doug was I just basically started dropping shells on all kinds of stuff in the in the network. And then I printed out a bunch of things that I could get to and I dropped it on the CEO's desk. And I was like, Doug's a dick. Um, if you keep this up, this is what will happen. And sure yeah. enough, change occurred. But okay, so following on um, from there, there's a, and you and I have kind of chatted about this a little bit. You have a really good perspective on the difference between talking with the CIO and talking with the CISO. I want to, I want to help people understand that there is a nuance that has to occur there. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I learned this. It, it was interesting, you know, when when we were selling this project to the execs in Adobe, right? I learned that you know they have two different things that are mo motivating them. You know, the, so everybody wants user experience and security to be better. So th that that's true, but the 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 pressures being applied to those people in their own roles are are different, right? The pressures being applied to the CIO is hey, spend less, spend less, do it quicker, spend less, do it quicker. Oh, and at the same time, I want you to take on more and I want the experiences to be better. And everyone everyone is griping and complaining about IT not being good enough or the experience of the shit they deliver not being great. And so they're really, you know, they're really motivated if you turn up to their desk and say, hey, we can reduce the cost of operations and we can improve the security for your users and we can improve the experience for your users now they're really motivated by two of those three things two is is the cost and the experience not to say that they're not motivated about security but if you can say they'll get security as a as a byproduct or better security 
but if you can tell them, oh, and it's going to save them money, and I'll give you an example of that for the CIO, password changes are in the top 10 of service desk tickets. So for if you look at all the tickets in the service desk, password-related change tickets are in the top 10, generally in their top five. And if you can turn around and say, look, we can eliminate 80% of those tickets by doing this one thing, and they're like, holy shit, that's brilliant. And, and we done that. So no more using your password for the first factor. Instead of a password, we'll use a certificate that's tied to the user and the device. And you tell the CIO, you're like, so it'll be a bit more secure, but we're going to knock off 80% of those tickets. That, that was hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, if not millions a year. And then you go to the CIO, or sorry, the CSO or the CISO, and you say to them, hey, would you like to improve security? By not using passwords and using certificates, that's going to change your posture in this way. Um, by tying that certificate to each device and the user, if that device is compromised, we can revoke that certificate, but not the certificates on the other three devices that same user uses. Therefore, they can still do their job, but we can isolate the device that's compromised. Oh, and, and if we integrate some security intelligence with this, we'll know that we'll cut their sessions at the same time. Oh, and, and, and because we're doing this zero trust thing, your office network, we can start to turn that into a guest network where all it can do is get to the internet. And if it wants to use internal resources, it's coming back in via reverse proxy. And, and all of a sudden, the, the, and, and then you then they tell them on, as a byproduct of this, user experience will be better. Now, now, CISO and CSOs, they do care about user experience because they are a user. So you'll turn around and say to them, hey, you'll never change your password again. You'll never use your password when you're logging in and you don't have to VPN in. Those three things resonate with everyone. But if you tell the CSO or the CISO that from a security perspective, you're going to go via like that SANS top 20 or SANS top, yeah, SANS top 10 or whatever. And you're like, oh, the first eight of those, we're actually going to improve all eight. And, and you're not, you know, you're, you're going to get these as a byproduct of this zero trust program that we're going to run. And I, I was like everything, asset management, we can scrape the data because now we're pulling device posture, which means we're pulling device data. We can look at those devices and all those endpoint devices because they have to access the app. We must know about the device now. We can throw that stuff back into the CMDB. And if we see a device in the CMDB that doesn't exist with your name on it, We'll put it in there and we'll say, well, hey, we're going to assume it's Dan's device until we hear otherwise. And then we'll publish a device portal that shows your score. And then you get to now gamify the scores because we can roll them all the way up to CEO. So we, we were building shit like that in Adobe. And it was really cool to see how all of this stuff intertwines. And you're going back to those two execs and you're like, this is the stuff you care about and this stuff you care about. And, and you're showing them both like it's separate conversations, not to not to say that CIOs don't care about security, but their their pressures are different. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't know that I've run into anybody that I've talked to that doesn't care about security. But really, like you said, it gets down to that's 
not my thing, right? I mean, if I'm a CIO or a CEO or a CFO, my my vision's got to be this, and that's what I kind of got to do. CEO maybe to some different degree, but that's their their piece. CISOs are vectored in on security, um, and if they're, I like the I like the approach of kind of the Venn diagram of awesome, right? That you're talking about, like, look, I can make both of y'all happy, and it doesn't have to be that big of a deal. Oh, and by the way, money talks, so yeah. Let's, you know, let's use our money more effectively. Yeah. And, you know, every everybody, so everybody in that C-suite, they've all got their day job and they're all focused on their day job. And when it comes to security, everybody will, will say, oh, yeah, we've all got a responsibility. Um, and, and I always had this view where, like, CEOs on stage talking about security and they're like, security is everyone's, security is your problem and he's pointing out to all of the people in the crowd and they all just start looking behind them till eventually they see the security guard at the door and they're like oh must they, he must be talking about him then right so it's almost like there's an expectation that everyone says security is everyone's responsibility but ultimately it, the, the security team can say you know we need your help to make us more secure which is always a, tr a true statement but, but people are so busy with their day jobs that unless there's something baked into their job description and their measurements of success and their own like bonus structure or some shit, they don't care. I mean, they, they say they care, but they, they really care about their, their real day job. Uh, so we, we got to make security something which is in the background that's not in their face. And, and for me, the minute you can start to do that and, and make it easy for them to follow your security stuff and your compliance stuff, then, then we'll, we'll, we'll make more progress. Yeah, it, uh, it's got to become part of the experience, right? And I mean, that's just it. I mean, all this other stuff has become part of our experience digitally. Security should just be part of that as well. Like how, how many people you know that you talk to understand what the fuck a SaaS app is, but they know how to get to Salesforce you know yeah well you, mean, you'd it, say it, that it, yeah it's it's like you didn't get trained to use facebook or instagram or huh. shit like that but then all of a sudden it will deploy some some kind of fodder app and it's like oh we're gonna do a training program you're like okay well cool like they'd have been good if it was easy to use and i didn't need to be trained and it just it was intuitive Right. Or, or worst case, you'll find something and you'll be like, I don't know how this works and go look on YouTube and Google it and someone else has done it. And you just read their thing and then do it yourself anyway. I mean, it, there's, yeah. there's not I don't I don't think that there's a reason anymore for stuff to be complicated or difficult that, you know, the average per, I mean, the average person should understand. I like hell. I run my own LLC. I don't want to do accounting because I'm freaking terrible at it and I hate it, but I use QuickBooks and it does the stuff for me and I don't have a degree in accounting. I don't, you know, yeah. Um, it's worth, you know, worth using. Um, well, uh, the, the other piece that, that really drives into this is in your opinion, having rolled this stuff out, like where's the start? Where's the, if we're going to do anything, let's do this first because everyone asks me that question i have my perspectives but you i mean you did you know yeoman's work what's what's yeah. number one yeah and it, it's funny i've heard and i i did listen to one of your earlier shows with the guy guy from australia and stuff and his his life is way more complex 
than some of my experiences of being and stuff. And, and when I think of it, there's two things. It was like, I ran the identity stack, right? So I was in charge of the authentication experience and you never have to ask anyone's permission to improve that, right? So we were just like, okay, well, as part of that workflow, let's just um, inject in there a device posture check. So I'm logging in anyway, do a device posture check. And if you get the device posture check, we're going to let you through. And then if the application is internal, we're going to let you through, but we're going to route you through our proxy, uh, a reverse proxy, which is going to then give you only access to that app and nothing else. So we're now bypassing VPN. So we done a really small pilot with that. And we done that pilot in a month. Um, and, and once the team kind of successfully done that pilot, then we worked with the vendors we already had. And this was back in, in, in the Adobe days. Um, we had, you know, Okta and F5 and VMware. They were already partners of ours. We'd already had an extensive Okta deployment. So for us, it was pretty easy to then say, okay, well, let's route traffic this way. So we kind of started there, right? Um, and then when I, when I got to Cisco and the team at Cisco, where we own Duo, we worked with the Duo team and we done something very similar, really small pilot and you get a group of users and you just start to expand it out. Um, I've heard people talk about asset management and hey, let's understand what the apps are. Let's understand this and this and this and this. And I'm like, you know, I, I had, I had um, joined Cisco and it is when you're in a really large company and there's a lot of bureaucracy and stuff. I joined where there was so many people working on this across the company. And in the end, we're like, yeah, you've achieved some pilots. You've written lots of good documents. Brilliant. But you haven't deployed it. And I'm, I, I like to, we have our podcast called Get It Started, Get It Done, right? So everyone gets it started and what definition they have for starting it. But getting it done is really the tricky part, right? So for me, it was like, I've got no patience for, for nine months later, it's not done. So I don't want to hear this bullshit of I've been working on Zero Trust for a year and your employees don't have some great benefit to show for it. So... My, my my mantra is if it takes longer for a human to make a baby than it does for you to deploy some shit, you're doing it wrong. Nothing should take as long as a human can make a, another human, right? So I'm like, screw this. Get in there, get the pilot, four weeks, get a small use case, stop overthinking it, and just get some shit moving forward and make sure what you're deploying is better than, better than what you had yesterday. And we done like seven seven months in Adobe. We deployed. We were up and running, forty thousand users. In Cisco, a hundred and ten thousand users in five months. So I was like, now when we done it in Adobe, we didn't have a reference because Google's beyond corp was there, but we weren't going to rebuild and do network segmentation because that was a rip and replace your whole network and all of that shit. What we done was we were just like, we'll have the reverse proxy go into these apps. We'll do some DNS routing so that in the future, the only way to get to these apps is via the proxy. Um, they were already in your data center, 
And then we start restricting the access to the data center, unless you're coming via our platform and then via our CyberArk and Bastion hosts and then in. So everything was starting to flow this way. And, and, and really you're changing firewall rules and DNS routes um, and the auth workflow. It was, it was pretty slick. I mean, what was slick about it back in 2018 was we, we didn't have a lot of references and we worked with, it started off with Okta and VMware and their engineering teams. And we're like, we need you guys to help glue these two widgets together. And if you don't, we'll find someone who will help us, right? Uh, but we're gonna do this thing either way, right? And they both stepped up and they're like, yeah, we'd love to get involved and great, great shit, right? Eventually they released a partnership and a product based on the work we done. So it was pretty, I mean, it was pretty cool. Um, and, and cooler because, you know, other than Google's Beyond Corp, there wasn't a lot of companies that we could reference. I mean, that that was pretty, pretty cool because we were, we were like, any mistake you made, like we, we screwed shit up. We shut down the Adobe network once, like the whole Adobe network, the call centers and everything, because our guy was playing around with some NAC rules and he thought he was doing it for the pilot group, but he, he applied it to everybody but the pilot group. So the pilot group were still running, but the whole company was dark. And, you know, I, I came in and, and I had a week later, we were just talking about, you know, restricting the network access and stuff like that. To, I was talking to the CIO and the CSO um, for, for an update. And it was like, okay, I said, so next week we're going to start. We've done some tests. <laughs> so next week we're going to start restricting network access. And they're like, you mean like your team did last month? <laughs> And I'm like, hey, you've not thanked me for that. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, that's the first time you can guarantee there's never been a bad actor on your network. Yeah. I mean, no company, yeah, no, no company can ever say 100% sure that there's not something going on in their network. Like, I don't care who you are. No company can say that. But, but for four hours, the Adobe network was down and I could guarantee there was not a bad actor on the network. Because there was nobody on the network. Four four hours, <laughs> perfect. Yeah, perfect security. Well, okay. Yeah. Um, last part of this, I always like to ask people, you know, what not to do. Because there's a lot of advice on what to do and how to, you know, go about this and whatever. But from doing the work and leading the effort, what would you tell somebody in a position like, don't do this? Well, I think the first thing is don't listen to all the vendor bullshit. There's, there's every every vendor will tell you they're a zero trust player, and I, I think the, the the big thing is is the yeah many of them are depending on their marketing team's definition, but some of them are just twisted VPN players, and, and that shit might work for you, um, and and some of them are just doing ACLs, and they're saying hey we're we're zero trust, and it's like no you're just an identity play, uh, you're just doing like coarse grain and fine grain access control. So I think I think that's the first thing, and 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 the second thing is, don't don't get caught up in trying to seek perfection and the big, like if you make this bigger than it is, you'll never get moving, you'll never get get results. So let's say there's two things, two things better than one. So that's uh, there you yeah. have it from the horse's mouth. Somebody that's done the work how to talk to a CIO, how to talk to a CISO, where to go scratch an itch to get the money that you need, um, what not to do times two, 
Den Jones from Banyan. Great stuff. If y'all are out there and the three people that listen to me, go check this stuff out and see what Banyan can do for you. Den, thanks for your time. Thanks, man. Disclaimer, the information in this podcast episode, aka episode, is provided for general information purposes only. By listening to this episode, you understand that this is not specific technical guidance from the host. No information contained in this episode should be construed as security advice from the author, host, or guest, nor is it intended to be a substitute for security advice on any particular subject matter. No listener of this episode should act or refrain from acting on the basis of any information included in or accessible through this episode without seeking the appropriate technical or other professional advice on the particular facts and circumstances that are discussed. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All views expressed therein are those of the host and his guest and should not be considered as being endorsed by nor related to the host or the guest's employers.